Hello, everyone, and welcome to Global Newsmaker Focus. Every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Global Radio Alliance, you will hear guests from a wide spectrum of fields talking about current events and developments that affect our world. Together, let's analyze the latest news and developments on Global Newsmaker Focus every Friday night at 8 p.m. And now, I give you your host for Global Newsmaker Focus, Patrice Sheridan. Welcome, everyone, to this June 1st edition of Global Newsmaker Focus on your contact for alternative talk radio, KGRARadio.com. This is Patrice Sheridan speaking. Our featured guest tonight on Global Newsmaker Focus is Milton Thomas Flightus. Milton's website is godtype.com. Some bio details regarding our guest. Milton Thomas Flightus, founder of the Supernatural Research Institute and Godtype, has been writing online essays, reports, and visual essays for more than 16 years at godtype.com and supernaturalresearch.com. Milton and his research partner have termed their primary research Godtype. It is the Rosetta Stone discovery leading to dozens of broken biblical time codes. They have focused on, one, the secular science of human cognition and modern personality theory, two, the ancient Judeo-Christian scriptures and their teachings on the Holy Trinity, and three, the science and philosophy of time and encompassing a study of time. The findings reflect this comprehensive focus, speak to the eras of empires and history and key human events, and confirm the relevance and accuracy of the ancient Hebraic and Christian scriptures. The findings show the linkage of humanity, time and space, earth, and the ancient Judeo and Christian scriptures. Milton is an architecture and engineering designer and engineer by trade. He got sidetracked in 1986, uh, and uh, that was to beautiful Burbank, California, opening one of the pioneering 3D animation studios, Infinity Design Studios in Burbank. He has been in 3D computer modeling and engineering since the 80s, since the very beginning of that industry. Milton formerly owned and was the principal of a computer company. His company consulted, including teaching, training, and production, with all the major film studios. Yet it was the 3D reverse engineering of the original Mars lander for JPL NASA that was his favorite project. Mars remains a fascinating research subject for Milton. Milton's website again is godtype.com. Milton, thank you for joining us this evening. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm so grateful, Patricia. Um, it had been years since I'd done radio. Um, I was sort of a regular with Kevin Smith, one of the pioneers of internet radio and regular radio in the in this type of genre. And um, it's so wonderful to see that you. Um, you recognize some of our work and what I believe is the important parts of our research. And so I'm, I'm grateful to be on. And also that you're able to share this with your audience. Thank you. Thank you, Milton. Uh, now, Milton, first, could you mention to our listeners some key aspects and findings of your research on the godtype.com work? 
Okay. Um, God type began as a simple code-breaking exercise. It was just a very basic abstract code that we discovered about 20 years ago, um, recognizing that human personality matched and patterned after the um, the Creator that we are taught in the in the Scriptures in the in the in the Old and New Testament. It it was basically just a, the 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 discovery that human temperament, as as studied by scientists, um, um, secular scientists, was teaching the Trinity of of Judeo Christian um, theology. Um, Cognitive science teaches that there are four temperaments and 16 types. And when you dig into that science, you realize that all the greats, um, Carl Jung and David Kiersey, these great um, cognitive scientists of the 1930s and 50s and the pioneers, all mention in their research that each of the four temperaments viewed times, views time differently. Um, the SJs... Um, the what we call the guardians, the father types on God type, they viewed, they look to the past. Um, they're um, the majority of, of of the population. They're five and twelve, um, in, in in temperament, and their names. What we recognized early on, their names are the supervisor, the inspector, the provider, and the protector. Um, these are the ESTJ, the ISTJ. For people, most people out there hopefully have um, done their Briggs Myers test and learned what their four letter code is. But it was David Kiersey who then took that, those codes and gave a name, a singular name to each type. And it is David Kiersey who's, who was truly one of the great pioneers. He's one of the great American pioneers. And so we got these four types, these SJs. And they all are names I recognized 20 years ago for the, for the father of, of, that we, God the Father of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, we, if we did a Bible study, you know, we, the God the Father is the provider, the protector, the inspector, and the supervisor. Um, those are all names given to him. And so we, we see that, that these, these SJs, um, what we call sensory judges, um, they are our guardians. They are the majority of, of um, our managers, and and they are the um, the majority of, of people in the armed forces, and so on. And we just went through the we just went through it and realized that the next type, um, the idealist, the intuitive feelers. Um, just happen to have names that represent clearly what we believe is 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 Yeshua, Jesus Christ of the New Testament, the um, the idealist teacher, the the um, the counselor. Um, the Jesus was called the mighty counselor. He was certainly the teacher on earth, and he was the healer. These were all names of the idealist, and and the idealists all look forward in time. Um, so what I'm doing is what we're realizing is. There's this time dom there's this time aspect of cognition, and we recognized it and realized that these these SJs the father types are, are five and twelve, and then we have the idealist healers. Um, they're on they're only two and twelve of the population. They're abstract thinkers, and their names all match. Um, if we did a Bible study, the the, the names of um, um, Jesus from the Bible.
or 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 the uh, Messiah of of the Old Testament that was um, that people were waiting for. Um, that left us with two other personalities, and when we realized that in Briggs Myers, the SPs, appropriately called the sensory perceivers, they're really um, their names are amazing. They are the promoters, the crafters, the performers, and the composers. If we were to do a Bible study, we'd the, the Holy Spirit is called the composer and the crafter of, of, we're told that he crafts and composes us within the womb. If we were to do a Bible study, um, we are told that the Holy Spirit is the, the, um, the promoter of the Holy Scriptures. And so we realize this, this, this connection of human personality to the Trinity, to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of the, of the Bible. And that was the basis of it. Also, I got to go back and tell you, Patrice, the SPs are 4 and 12. They're 33%. And this is key. Later on, we're going to get into the time aspects. And this is key for people to understand. Um, First, people want to go out and find out their personality type if they can on one of the tests. But then you need to understand that there's 33.3%. Um, the, and 16.6%, and then the, the SJs, which are, there are a lot more SJs on Earth, they're 41.66% of the population. That's simply a simple way of saying 5 and 12, 4 and 12, 2 and 12. And um, we're left with one more personality type, but I, I think I'll, I'll leave it there. I think you had some other questions. And, and, but that was the basis of God type, the realization that the patterns of human cognition matched um, the Bible um, descriptions of the Holy Trinity, and it was simple. It was, but it, it ultimately ended up leading to dozens of broken time codes, as you mentioned earlier. And Eden, I can't wait to get to that material on the cycle of empires, and also how that relates to current events. Now, on the sensory perceiver type, uh, you had, if I remember correctly, noted that President Trump is an example of the sensory perceiver, and that these individuals have an aspect of being in the center of time and space with uh, this type of uh, classification. Now, President Trump particularly intrigues me, as it reflects to me, President Trump's being a central focus of domestic and world events, but we also have interesting people here. We have uh, Jared Kushner and his efforts on the uh, Mideast Peace Agreement. Also, uh, the Korean parties, uh, Chairman Kim Jong-un and South Korean President Moon Jae-in. And uh, also, to me, someone who is very central to what's going on in our world today would be Russian President Vladimir Putin and certainly Chinese President Xi Xi Jinping uh, is a a very vital factor in uh, global politics and developments now. What do you think? Can you sometimes ascribe uh, a sensory perceiver uh, trait or characterization to these people? I believe, I I absolutely know, me and and a few other, many people have typed President Trump as a sensory perceiver. You see it by his energy. Um, Sensory perceivers, that brings us back to to the four types. Sensory perceivers represent energy on this earth, earthly energy. Um, the intuitive thinkers, which I did not go over, they were the fourth type. They're the only one in 12. They seem to be a resonant factor. The intuitive thinkers 
are the um, the rash what we call the rationals, the 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 inventors, the engineers, um, the scientists. Um, they're they're known as the field marshal, the mastermind, the inventor, and the architect. The, they're generally what um, Carl Jung and Kiersey call potential energy. They are sort of the Holy Spirit in heaven, and the SPs are sort of the Holy Spirit on earth. We've come to realize that after all these years of research. Um, it's sort of we live in a bifurcated domain, and the spirit seems to split up and, and, and show itself across personality types as the intuitive thinkers who sort of see time from above. The rationals, which I didn't mention earlier, they see time. Um, they see all time. And those SPs that you're talking about that we pretty much are certain, Carl, um, that um, President Trump is, they, they're, they live in the moment. I believe Putin is an SP living in the moment. They seem to be, and some of the, when I think about some of the other people you mentioned, they may also be sensory perceivers with um, representing energy and that they have lots of energy. I mean, how old is Donald Trump? And he's just working all the time. And Donald Trump, won that election by getting all the SPs, that 33% of, of human, uh, uh, let's say Americans on, in the United States, SPs are very practical. They're not idealistic. They don't go right, they don't go left. They're very practical people. That is how Trump won the election. They saw, I believe, Trump had millions of Democrats voting for It's the only way a Republican wins. And, and those are usually the swing voters, and I believe those SPs had a lot to do with it. They're in touch with the earth, and they live in the moment. They're very practical, and I believe um, absolutely that is what, um, what at least Donald Trump is we're, we're certain of. Thank you. That information is absolutely fascinating. Uh, now, uh, on the last type, uh, the uh, uh, ones who are the rational thinkers, intuitive thinkers. Uh, you had given Einstein as an example. Um, would and I think we've we've spoken before about the fact that uh, now the now past theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking will be another representative of this intuitive uh, thinker type. Yes, all the a lot of the great scientists. Not all. I don't want to generalize. I want people to understand that anyone could be a scientist. We all have the four functions: um, intuition, thinking, feeling, and sensing. What God type breaks down is the patterns of temperament on Earth. But I want everyone to understand: uh, an SP can be just as great a scientist as an Einstein. They just have to work a little harder at it or put more time to it where things may come natural to the intuitive thinker because they see things differently and see um, in a more of a rational way. But I want everyone to know that an intuitive thinker like myself, now Einstein was an introspective, an INTP, pretty much. He's typed by everybody, and I believe so after reading several biographies on him. Um, Tesla was an ENTP, an extroverted rational is typed by most people, or possibly an ENFP. That is my personality, more of an extroverted rational. Um, we use the same functions, but we use them a little differently, so they see the world a little differently. Um, but mostly um, they do, the rationals tend to fall as scientists and engineers, lawyers, I mean, they just very um, 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 intellectual things and things like that. 
And I think it has a lot to do with how they see time. Um, as we mentioned before, the, the sensory judges look back in time. They're cautious. They, they like doing things that are um, um, cautious and, and things that have already been proven. They don't want to change the, um, things too much. The sensory perceivers live in the moment, as we mentioned. The intuitive feelers look forward. This last election, Patrice, um, points out something we show on our God-type time maps when we get into more of the time periods. We show that 2013, we believe we entered an idealistic period of 17 years. And what more are we doing right now? It was a complete battle between idealists on both sides of the political spectrum. This, I'm, anyone over 40 will recognize we've never been in this type of political environment before. What we have is we're in this idealistic period where, where politics is really coming down and our idealists who are very passionate, they're very um, sometimes hyperbolic in their use of words, are battling each other from both sides, and, and that is that period we are in. Let me just step back a little bit. That period, according to God type, follows those percentages that we mentioned earlier, 16.66 um, years. Before that, we were in a 33-year period of what we would call the SP period, sensory perceivers living in the moment. Patrice, isn't that what happened between 1980 and 2013? It all started with another SP, Ronald Reagan, the Reagan Revolution, an artist, an artisan, a performer, um, created... He did the exact same thing 33 years ago that, that um, Trump did today. He woke up the SPs, and he won by a landslide at that time because the, the, the practical people crossed party lines at that time. Um, and that's the only way a Republican ever wins in this country because they are outnumbered by Democrats. The independents, the, the practical folks, all went um, 33 years ago. And is that not what happened for 33 years, Patrice? We had the yuppies, the living in the moment, the spending more money than we ever, we, everybody ends up living in the moment during that period of time. We can all, anyone over 40 can look back and remember that. And boy, um, it, I believe that's, that's how it was. And if we stop in 1979 and go back, you can go back 42 years and it is called the golden age of America. 42 years of, of, of a cautious America, um, looking back, being cautious, and that's, that, that, that is um, where we uh, made the time connections. And, and again, um, it all follows the Jubilee periods of the Bible, but we'll get, maybe get into that a little bit later. I'm sorry, I sort of went off on a tangent on you there, on that. No, not at all. And um, uh, also, uh, I wanted to mention that indeed, in past interviews, you've mentioned that an individual may belong to uh, more than one uh, personality classification, and also there is that concept of duality pairs. Yes. Yes, duality pairs It was the original, my original reason for creating what I call the God-type periodic table. That is when I recognize... Um, what we call a the digital understanding of cognition. Um, we 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 ended up creating a a um, a basically a spreadsheet showing how all of us interact. How the the seven sixteen types plus number seventeen. There's that number seventeen. 
representing Christ, we must all make connections with each other. And when we realized and we made our table, there were 153 possible connections in humanity. Duality is one of the 17 connections that we can make. Duality on the surface is for, for anybody who knows their four-letter code, I'm an ENTP. My dual is the polar opposite, the ISFJ. Basically, I'm an extrovert, intuitive, thinking, um, um, perceptive, ENTP. Um, the, um, the opposite of that, when we look at the letter code, is an ISFJ, an introverted, sensing, feeling, judger. On the surface, we look like we're complete polar opposites in, in personality theory, but when you study what Carl Jung actually broke, the codes that he broke, which we believe are true because those codes actually represent functions that are represented in the Bible. Um, people are afraid of Carl Jung. They say he was, Christians try to throw away Carl Jung's work. Yes, he was a mystic, and yes, he was um, a little out there on certain things, and, and, and we don't have to agree with him on his religion, but his science, I believe, was, was right on. And the four functions, intuition, feeling, sensing, and thinking, are, are, are true, as true can be, I believe, after all our research. And we believe we've shown it um, represented in the Bible. Um, one more thing on that. Um, the young um, basically um, represented those four functions, those duality pairs, as, as we, to answer your question originally, um, though we, we're opposites by the letter codes, we, are, we share the same four functions. And you, we only share functions with only a few other types on Earth. So duality pairs end up usually being great friends, and they get along great. And most of uh, pop science and personality theory teaches the complete opposite because they don't understand the deeper, um, Carl, um, the deeper science that Jung figured out, and also the socionics from the Russians have figured it out too. Sorry, I was a little long, long-winded on that one. <laughs> no, fascinating information. I always learn so much when uh, I interview you. Uh, now, Milton, uh, regarding uh, artificial intelligence, do you think that AI, uh, when developed to the extent that they uh, are seeking will represent an inferior model of the cognitive process. Um, yes, because they're missing. I've thought about this a lot, actually. I, I worried early on when we were breaking the codes and the Bible was confirming our codes, um, the patterns, the, the, the chapters, the verses. People can go to our website and find where we broke a code where even the patterns of the chapters and the verses in the Bible follow the same God-type pattern. I, I began worrying that what, we're, what I'm writing about to give people an understanding of, 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 an, of true AI programming, because we're documenting um, the patterns of, of man, but these are also, we were made in God's image, these are the patterns of God. But no one will ever be able to truly do that, because... These time aspects, I believe, are impossible. Um, 
human humanity somehow we have an ability to look back to look forward to look to the present i don't i would i don't believe computer technology at this moment will ever have the ability to mimic um those that ability of of the human mind to actually transcend space and time i believe our human minds can do that i don't believe that, at this moment or anytime relatively soon, but they, they're, they're trying to get closer, closer to it. Um, I, I, I worry about it a little bit, but I haven't put that much thought other than that. Now, thank you very much for that response. Uh, now, uh, Milton, this does seem to be such a precarious time in world history. Are there any pointers in your research to this current era and the progression of years featured in the cycles of empires per your god type paradigm um yeah the the on our on our cycles of of empires um let me let me step back um 11 um back in 2011-12 when we were first breaking the the initial code time codes within god type um we were um, when we were first breaking those codes. We were. I was simply following back in time the hundred-year jubilees, where we took the Jewish jubilees of fifty years, and we researched and found out that the Jewish jubilees were actually a hundred years. It's two fifty-year jubilees that create this great jubilee, and then we started seeing the patterns of time on Earth. We can physically see um, the patterns on our Earth and on time as we understand. When we take back these 100-year patterns from 2029, we go back 2,000 years, we end up in 29 AD. In that year, it was the year that um, it was the crucifixion of, of Christ. It was, it was a marker in history. Um, Jewish... Um, Sages and Jewish um, folks and Christ, early Christian the, theologists said that that, that the year of Christ's um, crucifixion was a jubilee year, and so we we, we were doing this map and it's and we see the hundred year patterns, and then I, I wondered out loud and this is how we broke the hundred year pattern out yet was there ever an eight point three three year representing the rationals who. I hate to say this, rationals create in order to, to, to invent and to create. You cannot create something new. It's sort of like the phoenix of many mythologies. Rationals, during a rational period, create and destroy. They basically it first destroy, and then they create a new system. That's exactly what happened in America um, from 1929 to, to 1938. And like I mentioned earlier, then we had a 41-year period of, of, of a golden age, 30, followed by 33 years of SPs, and then followed by what I believe we're now in the idealist period um, as we head toward 2029, the 2000th anniversary of, of the crucifixion. Um, getting back to the, the initial question there, though, um, I'm not sure if that answered it properly. I sort of went off on again on a, on a little bit of a tangent on that one. No, not at all. Uh, it was directly uh, relevant to it. Now, Milton, uh, let's talk about the amazing many, many discoveries of the DNA half-life of 520 years and its time implications. 
Okay, that was this was just very recent. The the, the men and men at Tekalu Farson. Um, as I and this goes back, I basic we basically me and my research partner. I forgot to mention them. None of this would have happened if I did not have a research partner. We are in some ways on this earth as humans, we're bifurcated. We're not a hundred percent complete. We need our partners, our spouses, our children. Somehow, humanity, we, our brains are bifurcated, our minds are bifurcated, and, and we are told in the Bible that wherever two or more are, there is the Holy Spirit, right? Isn't that the strangest of things that we're taught in the Bible? It takes two, you know, the Bible actually says that. Um, my research partner, without my research partner, he, I never would have been spurred to, to discover and to research some of these things. And it was a combination of research from both of us. But as we did that 100-year cycle and we, we ran a spreadsheet throughout time, I recognized that there was a 520-year period, a cycle of empires, of kings. I recognized that 1776 and 1517 and, and these periods, were, they were actually 260-year cycles, I was originally calling it. And I recognized it went all the way back to 44 B.C. and the Ides of March, et tu brute, um, where Caesar was murdered, and that began the Roman Empire. And we were all taught this in school. I mean, these are, I didn't, this was done from just knowledge that we were taught in school. And I was like, wow, I got this 520-year period of, of cycles in time, and I was asking God, what does all this mean? And, you know, in my prayers. And I woke up one day with what I would say, um, either my subconscious or, or, or God speaking to me, telling me to go read Daniel's writing on the wall. So, we, so I went and studied Daniel's writing on the wall, and it simply means the writing on the wall was mene mene tekel ufarsin. For years, people have said that meant... Um, that God told um, Belshazzar that he was being measured and found wanting. That's what I was taught in church. But I researched it. Mene mene farsin simply means four numbers. Mene mene means 1,000, 1,000. When spoken of in, in Jewish um, philosophy, always means eternity. Mene mene means eternity. And tekel was a coin of, of 20. I'm sorry, ufarsin. Um, the Menemenes were also coins of 1,000 with a value of 1,000. Um, the Tekel is a coin of 20, and Ufarsen is a coin of 500, but not one coin. It's multiple coins. It's 500 plural. And so here I am. I have this map of time with 520-year periods that I'm, like, asking God, what does this mean? <laughs> I get sent to the Bible, and I realize it's written right in front of us, Patrice, and people don't see it. It's, it's sitting there in the Bible, and we're not reading our Bibles for what it really says. It simply means eternity is divided by 520s, exactly like I was showing. So we're here in 44 B.C., um, and, and, and so I read about this event where Daniel tells Belshazzar about the 520s. And guess what? It happened in 564 B.C., um, the death of Nebuchadnezzar, um, exactly 520 years earlier. We just brought our time map back 520 years. And then a, a few months later, 
the big, great show called um, Patterns in Time, I think, by Mahoney, or Patterns of Evidence, a Christian show, came out showing that all our timelines in Christianity are wrong by a few hundred years. It just happens, I already knew that because I did the research myself, and the, the, um, the Exodus was um, actually 1,040 years earlier. I mean, the 520 patterns just show up throughout all history. They are patterns of empires, and, and, the, and the Bible calls it, um, um, the pat, um, in John, he calls it the kings, the seven kings. And, and that just sort of, I just gave you the background on the 520s and how we discovered it. That was about five years ago. That was the reason I, I, I did my time map for the Kevin Smith show a long time ago. He had asked me to do a time map. Kevin Smith was a, not a Christian, but he had a, a, a degree in theology. And I owe him a lot because it was, he spurred me on to do this illustration. He asked me to do it for his audience like six years ago. Now, Kevin always said on his show, no, no religion and no politics. And yet every time he had me on, he, would, he really understood God type, and he would have me give, I think I'm the only person he would allow give their testimony on his show. So it was an amazing thing. But I just got a little side but let me finish off the, the men and men take a little surprising. God told Belshazzar, hey, Belshazzar, you have been measured and divided. That is truly what the words mean. It doesn't mean to found wanting. It means you have been measured and divided. The 20 meant division, and the 500 meant measured. And, of course, the men and men meant eternity. I was playing around with our um, fire alarm and looking at the, um, the radioactive, um, you know how our fire alarms are all radioactive, and, I, and a thought occurred to me instantly, and I understood it clear as day. Measure and divide is how we keep time on Earth. Measure and divide is, is the method in which we have our atomic clocks. All our phones, all our computers are all synchronized with an atomic clock that measures and divides the, uh, the atomic decay in order to keep an, an amazing, accurate time. God told Belshazzar that he was measured and divided. He didn't say you've been measured and found wanting. He said you've been measured and, and, and divided and found wanting is another translation. And I realized that instantly, humanity must have a 520-year half-life. And I, anybody, I want everybody out there to just go to the Internet, research it for yourself, discover it for yourself, get a feeling of discovery. Sure enough, the Bible is telling Belshazzar that human DNA has a half-life of 520 years. And so it's, it's an amazing discovery that just, I believe helps put the nail on our on our research there on the 520 years. And that was just done a few months ago, that recognition. Um, I went a little long, but that, that gives the whole men and men a story there. Fascinating information. Now, uh, Milton, some are considering with the tremendous increase in earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, including the major ongoing events on the big island of Hawaii, that end time events are occurring. Do you still think that it will be the return of the asteroid Apophis in 2029 that marks the beginning of this seven year tribulation? I, let me, yes. Oh boy, this is a hard one for me, Patrice. I hated end time Christians. 
I used to, oh, I hated people talking about end times. I, I, I just, my whole life was just, oh boy, I don't want to talk about this stuff, you know? And then all of a sudden I have this research that shows the patterns in time. And I have this research that says that the crucifixion of our Lord uh, as a Christian, I believe, um, and we pinpoint his crucifixion date to 29 AD. This is another interesting story that ties in with what you're talking about. Everyone, most books say Christ died in 33 AD. But because of our research early on with my research partner as we were writing our essays on God type, we, we spent a few months researching this and realized that there was a four-year calendar error, that the Catholic Church omitted four years when they created the Gregorian calendar. They just removed it from time, okay? They just took it out. And we knew that. And so it was really simple why we said that 29 AD was the crucifixion date, and that 2029 A.D. was the 2,000th year anniversary, and we, we have these cycles of 100 years flowing through those 2,000 years, and 29 A.D., um, Christ, the, the, the crucifixion was in 14, Nisan 14, and, and the resurrection was on the 17th. That Apophis asteroid, and this was my research partner, I got to give credit. He kept calling me and telling me, Milton, you need to study this, 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 this thing, this apophis that's coming. I don't know much about it, but my research partner kept telling me, I know it has something to do with our research. So I did, and the apophis arrives. It comes right by our planet on Nissan 17 of 2029, the exact 2000th anniversary of the day we pinpointed as the resurrection day of, of, of Christ. Not only did we pinpoint the resurrection of Christ on 29 AD, the same week, a few days after we did the essay, the Pope came out and apologized to the entire world and made a, one of these pontifical proclamations, I don't know what they call it, that they made a four-year error in the, um, in the calendar, and that 20... Um, 33 AD is really 2029. We already knew that because we did the research. So here we go. We got this date. I've got this time map that's saying that we have a seven-year possible tribulation starting in, in Nissan 17 of 29 AD, and we find that an asteroid whizzes by our planet. It's going to miss us. It's not going to hit us. But guess what? It returns exactly seven years later, and they cannot guarantee us it will not hit us this, the second time around. Exactly seven years later, on Friday the 13th, the first pass is on Friday the 13th. It fit our time map that we created based on patterns in the Bible, and, and it is, it's just a pretty scary um, thought. It's not scary in that it's not an Earth-ending um, asteroid. It is not big enough. But it is an asteroid that will make the entire world come together, I believe, after its first pass, and people actually see this thing in 29 AD past the Earth. What would we call it but the Earth getting together to keep this thing from hitting us seven years later? It's a period where we're going to need um, world leaders are going to rise and things are going to happen, and I, believe it rep I do believe it represents... Um, seven years of, of tribulation. <laughs> the long, long way to explain that for you. Yes. Oh boy, that's really thought-provoking information. Uh, 
Wow, remarkable material there. Uh, now, we've discussed this before, but I love this article. I'd love to reread it. Um, and it's at your website. It's entitled, Discovery of Human DNA and Chromosomes Being Encoded in the Design of the Temple, Encoded in the Hebrew Alphabet, as well as the religious practices of ancient Judaism. You tie this in, you tie your research in uh, with uh, your research into the unpublished works of Sir Isaac Newton. Can you give some comments on that? It's, it's just a brilliant piece. Oh, yes. It's, it, it's, it's a piece I've tried to explain before, and I always sort of, it's one I don't, I, I, I wrote and I researched and I, and I gave all the groundwork for it online. It's one I don't explain much. It is one that needs to be visual. It's hard to explain to folks, number one, that it was a sort of mystical experience. I prayed for a David Flynn-type, you know, um, code-breaking thing, and, and, I, and, and I prayed that I had realized that several of the God-type broken codes were based on the works of Isaac Newton. Um, and when people go to our site, they'll see several codes that were broken based on stuff that Isaac Newton was trying to crack. Um, considering the temple, and and I knew that Isaac Newton's research was very important, and I went and read one of his essays, and he basically shows the practices of the of the ancient Israelites at the temple. They would take the guts of animals and wash them at this bubbling, perfect, clean spring at the temple. The moment I read that. Um, what we call chromosomes, uh, chromosome packets and DNA passed through my mind. And as I kept reading the, um, the, the works of, of, of Isaac Newton, I realized what Newton was describing was DNA being expressed within the, um, within the practices of the ancient Jews at the temple. And so on our site, people, it's one of the first articles on top. I have to say people need to go to it to read it because you need to read what Isaac Newton wrote and then see our illustration showing that human DNA um, is analogous with the Jewish um, Hebrew writing and the 22 letters plus the what they call the yacht and the tittle. When you look at the yacht and the tittle of the Hebrew language, the 22 letters plus the, plus the yacht and the tittle, you realize they're identical to these our XY sex chromosomes. And in the, at the temple... You, you read about it, and Isaac Newton documented how there were 23 judges, and that's when my mind, and because I'm an inventor and I see the patterns, I recognize instantly that what Newton was describing as he's describing 23 judges who must be dressed in um, white, and whenever there's one bad judge, he must be dressed in black and removed from the place, and they need to then go out into the... not from the temple, but they need to go outside the temple walls to bring in a new judge. You realize that is talking about the DNA code being corrupted. And when you look at a picture of chromosomes, um, and I have them listed there on our site, you realize that a chromosome looks, is an analogy of the intestines of the sacrifices that had to be washed in a bubbling spring. And when you realize if you've done your study of the Bible, that Jesus Christ was always referred to as the living waters. And that's what they referred to this spring in which they cleaned these, these, these ugly intestines. 
it was an analogy. It was a type of, of, of cleansing of our human DNA with this beautiful bubbling spring there at the temple, representative of Christ. Christ always said that he was um, the living waters. And you, people need to see the, um, they, they almost have to go to the website to see the images to understand it clearer. It's hard for me to completely explain online here, you know, through words. Wow. Outstanding information. Thank you. Now, Milton, uh, here, uh, I'm also going to uh, reference uh, David Flynn uh, and your research uh, into uh, corroborating some of his findings regarding uh, six, uh, 6,660. The article is Obelisk and 6,660, A Virtual Ride Through Time and Space. And here, quoting from your article, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, like all, cra- I'm quoting here directly. Like all cracked codes, this research began with its Rosetta Stone of Sorts, a prayer to find an earthly representation of time, based on the works of the late David Flynn's research and Isaac Newton's assertions that the temple signified the center of time and space on our Earth. The original discovery was very similar to David Flynn's Roswell discoveries and its many impossible coincidences, which actually seem to predict the date of the iconic UFO event, end quote. I so wish you'd heard him at the Ancient of Days conference. I think it was back in uh, 2002 or, or three. It would have been wonderful. You've been a speaker there as well. Any comments now on this figure 6,660 and obelisks. This came by completely by surprise. I prayed. You know, the Lord is, an, the Lord is amazing. I mean, he, he sometimes answers our prayers more than we ever imagined, you know. But I had read Flynn's book, I think, The Temple at the Center of Time. And I understood that it was um, Isaac Newton. Um, here's a, Isaac Newton, secular history and secular the secular world loves Isaac Newton for his work, but they don't realize that he wrote more on, on the Bible than he did on science, as just as much. And he believed that the temple signified the center of space and time somehow. And I can't go fully into it, but say that there was an iconic UFO event that happened in California. People could read the article. There was an iconic event that happened, I prayed about it, and sure enough, I realized when we did nautical miles from the, um, the Washington Monument, which I believe is an occult monument, um, it, it actually arrived at the location of, this, um, of, this, of the UFO sighting um, at the exact year and month. And I thought, oh, that's no big deal, just a coincidence. But dream after dream and waking up after waking up with the word of knowledge that people call. I, I, I used to believe it was my subconscious, but there's no way I could dig this out of nowhere. Um, I believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. It's, the Holy Spirit speaks, can speak to all of us. Um, just kept pointing out these, these, these anomalies on earth. And what we found was that there are these anomalies, 6,660 nautical miles um, from the temple to all the edges of the continents. It, it was the words of, um, oh, oh gosh, it was um, Job um, chapter 48, verses 4 and 6, where he says, Where were you when I laid down the foundations of the earth? Who has laid the measures thereof? 
This is God speaking to Job. Who has stretched the line upon it? Where are the foundations there fastened? And, and who laid the corner of the stone thereof? That kept repeating in my mind, and I, and I saw it as the edges of our continents. And sure enough, folks, go to the, one of the funnest things people could do is go to my research essay on this, open up Google Earth, and you will see impossible 6,660 nautical mile measurements that go all over the world from occult obelisks. Number one obelisk is our Washington monu Monument, um, 6,660 nautical miles. And then Antarctica plays in this. Antarctica has become a big thing lately among radio folks. I've been writing about Antarctica for 15 years. It, 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 it was a, an understanding I've had since I was a child. Um, and I, I've gone into this before, um, um, into this research, um, and it was all from uh, some experiences I had as a child and, and understandings. And um, Antarctica is a very important place. I believe it is the Babel and the Eden of, that we are taught in the Bible. Um, we go through it on that essay. Um, people pull up um, Google Earth and have some fun. You can recreate a lot of these um, 6660s and realize that it is impossible for these dimensions to be all over the Earth. Now, I, it scared the heck out of me. Let, me. let me finish this by saying this. I knew it was a cult. The monument is not, God did not place the Washington Monument or the, the big obelisk at the Vatican that expresses these 6660 miles. Um, 6660 is not an evil number. It is simply um, half of 13,320, which is the total circumference from any point on this earth from land to land. It's, 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 I believe the circumference of the ancient um, earth before it expanded and got to the size which it is at now. Um, people need to research expanding Earth. But here's the deal. After being, my, my spirit was um, just worried about these occult monuments, and I woke up with an understanding, um, basically one of the first few times I ever heard my name, <laughs> um, in the, and I don't think of myself in the first person, so I'm like, oh, I better listen. And the, and the understanding said, Milton, the true marker in time and space is from my, my temple in Jerusalem. See, I had done all these measurements from these, uh, these other monuments. And when I took the measurement back to the temple, it was 6,660 exact nautical miles. Just as David Flynn and Isaac Newton believed it was the center of, of our earth. Um, and when you take that point at the temple following the same heading to Antarctica, where all, where all the occult numbers and measurements end up, it's also 6,006. That is an impossible, impossible coincidence. It, there's something going on. This earth was created just as Job, we are told in Job. God laid the foundations. He set the continents exactly where they are. And there is an occult... Um, there is an occult thing trying to take over this, but God's true measurement is from the temple. I again, I'll sorry, long-winded on that explanation there. Oh, Milton, no, that that information truly is remarkable, and uh, also, I think it's so intriguing that 
uh, Mars remains a fascinating research subject for you. And of course, uh, uh, it was here quoting, it was a 3D reverse engineering of the original Mars lander for JPL, NASA. Uh, that was uh, his favorite project, your favorite project, uh, end quote. Uh, Milton, are uh, you still looking at Mars and wondering? You know, Mars, I was at the time when I worked on the JPL lander, I actually was hired to reverse engineer the entire, um, most of the Mars lander. I'm only, I'm in my 20s. What a, what a gift from God. Here's what happened. Now, I didn't break these codes. They were broken years after I was, I was obsessed with Mars because when I was a little boy, someone showed me um, the, all that information that David Flynn went into about the pyramids of Mars and all that information. A NASA engineer, when I was just a little boy, brought some, uh, a manila envelope that said top secret, and, and he showed it to my uncle, who was a good friend of his, also an engineer. I'm, and I, I got to see those, what David Flynn and others um, wrote about years ago now, much years, many years earlier. So I was always thinking, wow, this, this, there's this stuff on Mars. And then I thought, oh, my God, when I got the contract to, in my 20s to, to reverse engineer the lander and to spend time at JPL with those engineers and, and to, to work with such amazing people, it is crazy how we got that Mars lander up there. I can give you stories <laughs> about how difficult the engineering process was uh, because of the bureaucracy within NASA and JPL. But boy, was I so happy to get that, um, to work on that project. And then a few years later, when I was teaching computer animation, I had gotten a hold of all the maps for, for the Mars. And I was trying to find that, um, those pyramids that I saw when I was a kid. I never found them in, in the high-res images that I had um, created an actual 3D model of Mars, really high-res back in the early 90s. Um, but... You know, other researchers found it. David Flynn, I believe, his books did the most amazing um, work on that. And I've just, I've just read their work, but as far as me doing more research on my own, it, it, it sort of ended when I was younger. I have not gotten back into it. Other than I, how, what a miracle that God allowed me to, to work on the original Mars lander and be a big part of that job. That was great. Indeed. Uh, now, uh, Milton, we are approaching the uh, hour, uh, the top of the hour, and thank you so much for discussing your research and findings with us this evening. Uh, for our listeners, Milton's website again is godtype.com. Also to our listeners, thank you for joining us this evening on Global Newsmaker Focus with our featured guest, Milton Thomas Flightus. Milton, Please return soon. We so want to hear about um, all your ongoing research, including Antarctica, uh, the temple, and that wonderful cycle of empires. Promise to be back within oh the next few months. Oh, I would I would love to. I um, just um, I'm so happy that um, you like um, previous folks. I'm, I'm so glad you um, recognize our work. Thank you. It's marvelous work. Uh, it's a blessing as well. It's truly marvelous work. And uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us this evening on Global Newsmaker Focus. Uh, 
We so appreciate your time. Uh, Global Newsmaker Focus, again, is broadcast every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern on your contact for Alternative Talk Radio, KGRARadio.com. Great weekend, and good night, everyone. <laughs>